We are in the fourth lesson in the series that I began four weeks ago on the family of God. We've been discussing different aspects of the family. And today I want to talk about growing the family and what it means to, to grow the family. It is important for us as Christians to be evangelistic. It is important for us to spread the gospel, to make sure that, that once we have received it and once we have been saved, that we don't keep that message only for us, but that we share that with all those that we come in contact with. Uh, sometimes the best way to do that is by example. Some people you're not going to be able to talk to directly. They're not going to listen, but you can set a good example. But then there are other times there are a lot of people that are re receptive to Christ and are receptive to the gospel, and we need to be evangelistic in nature. And even speaking to myself, maybe I need to do a better job of that than what I have in the past. Uh, but we need to have that, that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset as Christians that going forward, that we are carrying the gospel. That we have not only understood it, we, we don't just know what it means to become a Christian. Uh, we know what is necessary and we've been talking about that uh, the last couple of weeks especially. Hearing, believing, repenting, confessing our faith being baptized for the remission of our sins, those things are very important to us becoming Christians and to being added to that family of God. That is the way that we are added to the family, not by anyone in particular, not by any person, but being added by the Lord Himself, as according to Acts chapter 2, and especially verse 47. Um, but we need to be not just added to that family, but we also need to be seeking to grow that family. Um, and we do that by going out into the world and presenting the gospel to the world. There is a world of people that they need to know what the gospel is. They need that message, and we can provide that message. And as long as we can provide that message, we need to offer that message in every opportunity that we are given. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, growing the family. We want to take the family further than what it is. We want more to be added to this family. Uh, we want our family and friends uh, from a worldly sense to be added to this family so that we can be brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, the family of God is, or at least it should be, the most important family to us, even more important than, than our blood family or those that we're closest to relationally. This should be the most important to us. And we need to support the family of God and we need to seek to grow the family of God. Before we get into our lesson for today, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we hope we pray that you would continue to be with us and bless us as you have. We are thankful for this day, for this opportunity to study your word, and we pray, Father, that you would bless this opportunity to help us to grow as Christians, to help us to understand the need for us to go into the world and present the gospel with every opportunity that we have. We 
are mindful, Father, of those who are sick and those who are suffering. And we pray, Father, that you would be with them, that you would bless them, the doctors and nurses that care for them. And we pray, Father, that you would restore them to health, especially those that are affected by this pandemic that has swept across our nation and across the world. We pray, Father, that you would be with all those who are still recovering, those who are, are still fighting this disease. And, and we know that, that we, we are expecting still many lives to be lost. And we pray, Father, that you would provide those families with comfort. We pray that you would bless the church the world over. And we are thankful for the opportunity that we have to be able to present the gospel to the world and, and, and maybe better so now than, than ever. We pray, Father, that you would help us to use every opportunity to grow the kingdom, to grow this family, help us to reach out to the lost among us, and help us to be a guiding light, a shining light in the darkness of the world. And we are thankful for your Son, for his sacrifice, for all many blessings spiritually that come through him. We are thankful for salvation. We are thankful for the hope of eternity with you. We know that without him, without the shedding of his blood, these things would not be possible. And so we are thankful for his sacrifice and for all that he means to us. We pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's get into our lesson. Growing the family. As we look at spreading the seed, I want us to begin in Acts chapter 8. And we began here last week. I want to expound upon these verses a little, little more. And then we'll, we'll go into the lesson that I have prepared for you. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. This is Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, by the way. Now, Saul was consenting to his death. At that time of great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. This is following the death, the stoning death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And we find in the beginning here that, that Saul was there. Saul, who we come later to know as Paul, uh, he was there and he was consenting to the death of Stephen. The, the first real instance, I guess, that we have in Scripture of martyred, martyrdom. But it says in verse 3, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the gospel or preaching the word. So what happens here is a great persecution arises among members of the church, a very new thing, by the way. We're only eight chapters into the book of Acts, and it's only been since Acts chapter 2. There's, there's not a lot of time that is between the beginning of the church and now. And so a great persecution arises. You have uh, many people who have begun their, uh, I guess, their relation to this family uh, in the beginning days of the church in Jerusalem. 
and now there's a persecution that scatters them about. Uh, one thing that I want you to recognize is this doesn't include the apostles. The apostles do remain in Jerusalem at this time, uh, but there are a great many people that are scattered abroad because of the persecution. Now, uh, another thing that I want you to realize about them being scattered throughout the world uh, in the way that they were is that they did not give up their Christianity in doing so. Just because they were persecuted, just because they were facing a great deal of difficulty in this time period, it does not mean that they renounced their Christianity. They went as Christians into the far reaches of the world. So those who had come to Jerusalem from different places, they went back to their homes, carrying with them the gospel. And as they traveled between Jerusalem and their homes, they carried with them the gospel. And one thing that I realize here, and maybe you realize it too, is that from the beginning, the gospel was never meant to be confined in the borders of Jerusalem. It was never meant to remain in Jerusalem. But it was meant to go forward into the world. It was meant to go forth into the far reaches of the world. It, it reminds me of a song. Uh, there are many things that remind me of a song. But this reminds me of a song. Into our hands the gospel is given. Into our hands is given the light. Haste let us carry um, God's precious message. Guiding the erring back to the right. Into our hands is given the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. And we need to take that very seriously. And it is up to us as Christians to carry the world, or, or carry to the world, this same message, this gospel. The message that has saved us can save a great many people if we allow it to, if we use every opportunity that we are given to carry the gospel into the world. So, especially today, I hope that today we realize that the gospel still isn't meant to remain in Jerusalem. It never was from the beginning, and it isn't meant to remain in Jerusalem today. In other words, it's not meant to remain just in our hearts. It's not meant to remain just with us as Christians. This is not supposed to be a closed society. It's not supposed to be um, a thing where, where we have it within the walls of our church buildings even, and we keep it there, making the light shine as brightly as we can in the reaches of four walls doesn't do anything for the world. The gospel needs to move forward, and it can't move forward unless we commit to moving it forward into the far reaches of the world. That is our mission. That is our goal as Christians. And it is something that, again, we should take seriously. And so with that, I want to begin our lesson. Let's begin by looking at the commission that we are given. Uh, let's look at the Great Commission and how it applies to us. The giving of the Great Commission, what we refer to 
as the Great Commission is recorded by three, at least three writers here, three writers that I, I am immediately aware of, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I want to look at each of their accounts because each one adds a little something different that we can gain and, and, and kind of understand what this commission is and, and why it is important to us. We begin in Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of the book of Matthew. And in Matthew 28, and beginning with verse 18, we read this. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Keep those words. If you have your Bibles, if you want to make notes, underline them. Um, but keep these in mind. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And pay attention to what is said in verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Keep those words in mind. And move with me to Luke chapter 24. Let's look at verses 44 through 49. Uh, this is probably the, the least common usage, uh, maybe because of the, the way it's worded. I, I don't know, but, but uh, this is not one that we commonly look at when we're looking at the Great Commission. But Luke 24, verses 44 and following. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Notice what is said in verses 46 and 47. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The beginning point of the gospel begins being preached in Jerusalem, in the establishment of the church. And so that was important to these apostles. Now, let's put all these thoughts together here. 
And let's come to an understanding of what the Great Commission is. First of all, we are commissioned to go into all the world preaching the gospel. That's something that is very clear from Matthew and Mark both um, and also in Luke. But the gospel is to go into the world. We are to go about baptizing. Baptism is important to this commission. How we baptize, the, the name in which we baptized, uh, it is in a shortened form in the book of Acts is in Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts 2.38, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But it's the same thing. Whether we say in the Father, or the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or whether we say in the name of Jesus Christ, as long as we're baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ, that is important. But it's important that we baptize in the right name. I, I remember a preacher friend of mine, he worked in prison ministry, and, and uh, he had developed such a reputation that he was allowed to baptize. They actually had a, a tub, some some way to baptize from the way I remember the story. And there was a denominational preacher that was also involved in the prison ministry. Well, he wanted to baptize also, and he asked for permission. He had to ask it of this brother because he was the one in charge of this baptistry. And um, he asked permission, and the brother said no. And he asked why. He said, because I don't know what name you're baptizing in. And... You know, probably he would have used the name of Jesus, but would he baptize in the right way? Uh, but anyway, that's the way the story goes. The baptizing the name of Jesus Christ. It's very important. And so we need to remember that. Uh, in Mark's account, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Notice that salvation doesn't come until after belief and baptism. And it's the same order in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repentance and baptism come before remission of sins. Now there are those that will tell you otherwise, that will tell you that that's not exactly what it means, but that's exactly what it says. We cannot change what the Bible says. We need to go with what the Bible says. When it comes to salvation, we do things in the way that the Bible has said. And by the authority of of none other than Christ. Well, the authority of Christ says that belief and baptism equals salvation. Repentance and baptism equals salvation. That's not a contradiction, but both are important to salvation. He who does not believe, thus someone who does not believe is not going to have enough faith that they are going to obey that they are going to please God. That's also mentioned in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Um, but we understand that he who does believe, he who truly believes, is also going to obey and also will be baptized. And they also will be saved. Otherwise, he who does not believe will be condemned. That's very important. And Luke's account. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer. It was necessary for him to, to suffer the afflictions that he did in this life, and especially in moving forward to the cross. It was important for Jesus to do that. It was important that he do that. It was necessary even. 
that he suffered and that he died for our sins. Because without his suffering, belief, repentance, obedience, baptism, none of these things would equal salvation. He had to shed his blood in order for us to be saved. We must come to that conclusion, and especially from what is said here in Luke. Um, these are the words of Jesus. It was necessary for Christ to suffer, and not only to suffer, but to rise from the dead the third day. There's a great emphasis, especially when we take of the Lord's Supper. There's a great emphasis on what that means. It represents the death of Christ. But we also have to recognize that without the resurrection of Christ, none of these things would be of, of great importance. The resurrection makes this all come together. It was necessary that he suffer, but also that he rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So we understand what the commission is, that it is to go out to all the world. Uh, we are to go about baptizing. Uh, the apostles were also told to teach them to observe all things. I've commanded you a very, uh, very interesting thing to me. Uh, a preacher pointed out some time ago in a, a sermon that I heard that teaching them to observe all things. You know, there are certain commands that we can can maybe not uh, accomplish, uh, such as men cannot accomplish the things that are commanded of women. Uh, wives, be submissive to your husbands. Well, men would have trouble uh, completing that, that command, but we are to observe it and we are to teach it. In the same way, on the other side of things, where husbands are told to love their wives, it's coming from Ephesians chapter 5, well, wives can't love their husbands, can they? But they can't observe the commands and they can share that with others. Um, they can share that with other wives. That that's what they need to do. Uh, there are certain things that, that maybe we can't fulfill. Maybe the, the command isn't directed to us directly, so to speak. But it is something to observe. And that's a very interesting thing uh, that I find in, in studying the commission. But baptizing them in the name of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, and teaching them to observe all things. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. That is what we're preaching. Repentance and remission of sins. And all of these things help us to understand this commission. Now as I get through this, I realize now that I'm only in the beginning of my lesson. So I'm not going to finish my lesson today. Uh, we'll save some of this for later. Uh, we'll go just a little bit further. You see, Acts puts all of this into perspective. So turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall, shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. As we look at this commission, and as we look at what is said here in the book of Acts in chapter 1, they are doing exactly what is necessary for them. Um, they are together. They are to remain together. And it says in verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he would in a very big way. And uh, a way that, that, that they could not imagine, I'm sure. Um, but he was to come upon them. And they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It was to go forward from there. Not just remain in Jerusalem, but again, it was meant to go into the world. The gospel was meant to go into the world. Now let me ask you a question of the Great Commission, because there is debate on the Great Commission and who it is directed to. Is the Great Commission only given to the Apostles? Is the Great Commission only given to the Apostles? It is true that the Commission was given originally to the remaining eleven following Judas's betrayal. And we find that in Matthew chapter 28 in verse 16 where it says that the eleven were gathered. They were the audience whenever Jesus is, is speaking the Great Commission. And so as we, we understand that, yes, it was given to the original eleven. Now there are some that say that the gospel was limited to only the eleven. And only the eleven were to take the gospel into the world. Well, that brings up another problem because some of the apostles were not present in Matthew chapter 28 when it says that the eleven were there and that Jesus was speaking to them. And you might say, well, who of the apostles were missing? There are actually two of them that are evidenced in Scripture as missing. One was Matthias, who replaced Judas as an apostle. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but look in Acts chapter 1, and we pick up reading with verse 21. And, and they have come to this point where they need to select another apostle. And there, there needed to be another to take the office of Judas, to make it 12. And in verse 21 of Acts chapter 1, it says, Therefore of these men have accomplished us, or accompanied us, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, Beginning from the baptism of John to that day, when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. In verse 23, and they proposed to Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. In verse 26, it says that they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Matthias was not with the eleven when Jesus gave the commission. But don't you think that he also was responsible for carrying out this commission and for carrying the gospel to the world? Oh, absolutely. There's one other that was not present at that time. Paul. 
who was at that point known as Saul, who was consenting to the death of Stephen, uh, even after the, the church had been established. And, um, and we know how he was involved in the persecution of the church. But Paul, who did in fact see Christ after his resurrection, a, a key commonality between all of those who were apostles, is, it's evidenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 11. I'll, I'll let you read that for yourself. But he did have that commonality with them that he did see Christ after his resurrection. Um, but again, he was not present with the eleven when Jesus gave this commission. Was Paul responsible for carrying out the Great Commission? Oh, absolutely. And, and so we can't limit the commission to only the eleven that were there. That would create a, a great problem even among the apostles themselves with those that were not present. And even today, we as Christians are not to even limit ourselves to believing that this commission was only for the eleven. It was not. It was meant for all Christians going forward. And even today, we carry out the commission that was given to originally the eleven. But we as Christians, we carry out that mission today. Otherwise, the gospel will not go into the world. It's what I do. We are not to limit it to preachers and elders of the church, the leaders only. But all Christians are responsible for carrying the gospel into the world. And that's something that we need to realize. It's something that, that we need to, to take very seriously and make sure that we are fulfilling that commission. Notice again what is said in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. All Christians beginning in Jerusalem were scattered, carrying with them the gospel. And even today as we are scattered in different ways, uh, you know, even those that are raised in the church will, will eventually go on to work for, with other congregations um, they will uh, eventually be able to preach the gospel in, in different cities and different states and, and maybe even in foreign countries. But as we are scattered as Christians, we are to take the gospel with us. So following the example of the New Testament Christians, even today, when we are scattered throughout the world for various reasons and in various ways, we are to go about carrying with us the gospel and spreading that gospel, teaching that gospel, providing salvation for others so that they can have salvation from their sins. They need to know what is necessary of them. And we, having that information, we don't keep it to ourselves. We don't keep it in our hearts, but we carry it to the world. So that's, that's the one thing that I want to encourage you to do. Uh, we still have a, a good deal to, to get through as far as this lesson is concerned, but we're not going to do that today. I'm going to save it for later. Uh, take a, maybe a, a key, something that I've learned from my radio program. We'll just save it for later. Uh, but I look forward to studying this with you later, and I hope that you'll join me later and look forward to joining me later uh, as we do that, uh, most likely next Saturday evening, Lord willing, or Sunday, however you want to save it for 
Again, this is for you to use in whatever way is, is best for you. I just want it to be used. Uh, but I leave you with these words, and I hope that, that we understand the importance of carrying the gospel to the world. Uh, again, know that the Lord's invitation is always open to anyone in need of responding. Um, if you are in need of obeying the gospel, we've talked about what is necessary for that. And if that is your need, then uh, certainly let me know so that we can, can help you in that. If, if you're in need of, of, of putting into practice what you believe, what you already know, repenting of your sins, changing your life, confessing your faith in Christ and being baptized for the remission of your sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you need to do that, we will take care of that need for you. We will find a way to make sure that that need is met. Uh, maybe it is that, that you need to repent. Maybe you need to come back to the church. Maybe you need prayer on your behalf for strength or, or what have you. But the Lord's invitation is always open. And if you feel that you are in need of responding, then don't put it off. Make sure you take care of today what you need to take care of. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Uh, we are not promised the tomorrow, but we do have today. And so I would encourage you to, uh, if you need to obey or repent, whatever you need to do, take care of that need today. And again, if I can help you, please let me know. Um, but I thank you for, for joining me today. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we've been given to study your word together, to be able to uh, study your word together, even though we are in different places and even though we are, are not completely able to assemble as we normally would. We are thankful for these opportunities. We're thankful for um, internet and, and the ways that we are able to, to share your message with the world. We pray that we would use these opportunities in every way possible. We pray that you would be with us going forward. Give us strength. Uh, give us uh, encouraged faith as we go forward in difficult days. We pray, Father, that we would remain faithful to you always. And that we would increase in our faith. That we would be better Christians. And that we would do our very best to spread your gospel to those who need it. And we thank you again for your son, for his sacrifice for our sins. We pray that you would keep us always in your care and in your way. Keep us safe. God us throughout our lives. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, again, thank you for, for joining me today. And I hope to be back with you again to have that opportunity. And again, I hope you look forward to it as well. But until we meet again, may God bless you.